Midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. There was a great earthquake. The foundations of prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened, every man's band was loosed, and the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm. We're all here. And the keeper of the prison called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Word came that magistrate sent them that the jailer should set them free. Paul says, wait a minute, we're Romans. We're Romans. And you've beaten us up being Romans. Now what are you going to do about it? When they heard that, they were scared. And the result was they asked them to leave. They came personally and asked them to leave the city. And they went into the, out of the prison, entered into the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them, and they departed. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we finish Acts chapter 16, the Lord uses Paul and Silas to bear witness to fellow prisoners. They had been praying and singing when God suddenly caused an earthquake. Now, this caused the prison doors to open, and this caused great fear to come upon the jailer who supposed the prisoners had all escaped. Well, now, now here's a man who had lost all hope of life from here on out. It was his responsibility to guard all the prisoners at the cost of his own life. And he was about to commit suicide with his sword when Paul cried out, Do yourself no harm. We're all here. With hope, he now pleads, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, do you have the same question? The answer is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. On the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, here's Dr. Mitchell with a saving message of Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Today, friends, we again come to you, and we're studying together the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 16, and we're dealing right now with Paul and Silas in prison. It's a remarkable story of how the gospel, instead of it going east or north, went west. As I've said before and I repeat it, God knew the aggressiveness 
of the people of the West. If he wants his gospel to go forth, it should go westward instead of eastward. And we find that that God has used the Westerners for the promulgation of the gospel all over the world. God knew that. And the opposition of the gospel in the chapter, when God began to move and to operate, you have opposition, first of all, from hell, and then you have it from men, by persecution. And now Paul and Silas are in jail at Philippi. They've been beaten up, they've been disrobed, they've been thrown into the inner dungeon, their feet are fast in the stocks, they can't move, and what do you think they do? In the midst of, of circumstances that were very, very bad, they were in the inner dungeon where there was no light, very little air, all the slime and the bugs and the vermin, everything in there, and you can't do a thing about it because you're fast, you've been, your feet are in the stocks. That means your feet are fastened with a block over them so they can't move. And what do you think they did? With their backs bleeding and the stop making it bite and everything else, they began to sing praises unto the Lord. And as Paul wrote to the Philippian church afterwards from jail in Rome, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Circumstances did not rob them of their joy. You see, the Lord was still with them. And maybe I'm talking to some today that your circumstances are very bad. And you see, Mr. Mitchell, you, you don't know my circumstances. You don't know the, the afflictions I'm in, the sorrow I have, and how frail I am. I tell you, my friend, when the Lord Jesus is the is the object of your affection and devotion. He will also be the theme of your song. And it's an amazing thing, by the way, uh, when you begin to sing his praises, and filled with the joy of the Lord, uh, some of these circumstances don't look so bad, and you don't feel so bad either. It's good for you. And they sang the praise of the Lord, and I'm sure they just sang of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody in prison heard the testimony. Do you ever stop to think? They would never have heard about Jesus if Paul and Silas hadn't been in jail. And being in the inner dungeon, instead of hearing them cursing and swearing and bitter and shouting, they were singing. It's an unusual thing, supernatural. And these other prisoners, these hard-boiled prisoners, they couldn't get over that. What do you think they were singing about? About one called Jesus, who died to redeem men from sin. Now, that doesn't mean they all believed, but they all heard. They all heard the gospel. And again, I say the power of God accompanied the gospel. Faith and power go together. Now, look at the number of miracles that happened here. First of all, in verse 26, while they were singing and praising, there was a great earthquake. The foundation of the prison was shaken. All the doors were opened. Every man band were loosed. Well, what's wrong with that? Miracles, my brother, miracles. First of all, there was an earthquake. Now, I don't say that the earthquake was caused by the singing. God caused the earthquake. He was the one that, uh, that manifested his authority and his power. But every door was loosed and every man's band was loosed. What do you think, what do you think, you would have done if you'd been a prisoner. You saw the doors fling open, and you saw the bands off your, off your wrists. What would you do? All those shackles, 
not like prisons today, you know, where you can walk around in a cell. They were shackled, more than likely shackled by their wrists and their feet to the walls with chains. Chains fell off them. The doors were loose. Why didn't they run out? No, my friend, that's a miracle. I one time was speaking in a penitentiary in the east uh, with some men. We had a meeting in the midst of around four, or at least about 4,000 convicts were in the, in, the, in the big yard where they were getting exercise. Some were playing football, some were boxing, some wrestling, some were playing cards. But we had a pretty fair few hundred men listen to us preach the gospel, and then we broke up into, into little groups. I had about 40 men, mostly fellows in their early 20s. And I said to them, what would happen here if the uh, gate over there was, was opened and there were no guards? What would you do? <laughs> the one fellow laughed. He said, mister, this yard would be clear in less than two minutes. There wouldn't be a soul in this yard but you fellows. Here there, here's, a, here's a Roman prison where they've been beaten up. They were not treated with any sense of mercy or, or tenderness. They were just beaten. And every man's band was loose and every door was open. They were still there. None of them got away. That's a miracle. So you've got two miracles. In fact, you've got three. First one, they sang praises to the Lord. And then there was an earthquake. Every man's band was loose and nobody ran away. And the keeper of the prison, in verse 27, when he, when he thought that the prisoners were gone, he drew a sword to kill himself. You see, if he lost a prisoner, he forfeited his own life. You remember you had that in the 12th chapter of Acts, where, where Herod killed the guards because a prisoner, God freed a prisoner, Peter. So it is here. This was a custom. If a prisoner, if a, if, a, if a jailer lost a prisoner, he forfeited his own life. And he thought all the prisoners were gone, took out a sword to kill himself. And Paul jumped in and said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. My, what good words. And he brought them out, and now most of what he said. He called for the light, verse 29, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out, and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now tell me, what made this fellow ask that question? What did he mean about being sal about salvation? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Real conviction. I'm sure he must have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ through Paul and Silas. When? When they were singing. And the possibility is when they sang, they also testified for the Savior. The very first thing he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The message brought conviction to his heart. Now, verses 29 to 31, how to receive the gospel. Now, we've had the opposition to the gospel, the joy of the gospel. Now, how to receive the gospel? 29 to 31. He brought them out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Now, Paul and Silas didn't say, well, I'll tell you, Silas, you take us out of this dungeon, and you 
and you wash these stripes, and you, you wash us over and cleanse us and give us something to eat, and after we're rested and uh, are comfortable, we'll tell you about the Savior. Huh? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You see, that's the way the world would have acted, not the messengers of Christ, not the ambassadors of the Lord of glory. When he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Now let me just stop here for a second. What did Paul mean about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, I think sometimes today, I'm going to be very frank about it, there's a great deal of talk about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ without any explanation of what Bible believing means. You see, people are not saved by an intellectual persuasion or by winning a, an intellectual argument. For example, one could come along and use a salesman's pitch. And uh, you ask your questions in a certain way, whereby the one to whom you speak uh, automatically answers it the way you want it answered because of the way you propound the question. That's just pure salesmanship. Uh, that's just an intellectual exercise. That doesn't give life. That doesn't give life. I'm afraid there are too many today, even in our churches, call themselves Christians. They've joined the church, possibly been baptized, I don't know. But I wonder sometimes, do they really, really know the Savior? Is there that real trust in him? Or is it just an intellectual persuasion as somebody, when you talk to some people about the Lord, oh, Mr. Mitchell, I've believed that all my life. What do you, what do you mean you believed it all your life? Well, I always believed that Jesus died and was buried and was raised again, that he put away our sins, that he died for our sins. Well, that's a, you're intellectually assenting to truth. But that doesn't give you life, my friend. That doesn't save you. That doesn't make you a Christian. All you're doing is giving an intellectual assent to truth. But the question is, what shall I do with the one of whom the truth speak? Jesus Christ. I've either got to do something, I really have to do something about it. I've either got to accept him into my life, into my heart. I must, by an act of the will, receive him, put my trust in him as my Savior, as my Lord. That I'm not trying to save myself. I'm just putting my trust in him who came from heaven's glory to die for me. For this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But there must be relationship to him. And when Paul says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house, he's pointing to the Savior as the only one who could save. Personal relationship. I've said this before, and I don't mind saying it again. And I will repeat saying, I will repeat it over and over again on this broadcast. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ means to put your trust in the Savior. This is a personal, a personal matter between you and the Savior. I repeat it, it's not an intellectual ascent to truth. It's an experience one has with, with Christ himself. I take the Lord Jesus Christ 
who was crucified and buried and raised again, I take him as my own personal Savior. I'm trusting him so that I can stand before God with no sin, with nothing to be condemned, because Christ bore my sin, put my sin away, guaranteed to us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why when you come to John's Gospel, you remember in the Gospel through John, which was written, as chapter 20 says, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you might have life in his name. And 98 times I believe in the Gospel through John is the word believe, and the word faith, by the way, is not even mentioned. The word repentant is not mentioned. John is dealing with life and what is believing but faith in action. Take chapter, chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, for example. He was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. Gentile world rejected their creator. Verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. The Jew rejected their Messiah. Now what shall God do? What shall God do? The Gentiles rejected their creator. You have that in chapter 14, chapter 17 of Acts. The Jews rejected their Messiah. What will God do? He's going to bring in a new race of people who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, that are born of God. For verse 12 says, To as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them he gives the right to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. See, there must be personal relationship. That's why Jesus could say in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Come unto me. Come unto me. Personal relationship with the Savior. John six thirty seven. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. What shall I do to be saved, said the jailer? Paul says, quickly, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in this one of whom we've been singing and speaking, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. You see, it means to be freed from death power. It means to be freed from sin and all its chains. It means to be set free from the bondage of Satan. That's why we quote so much Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Our Lord became a man that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver us, who through fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage. Marvelous thing. What do you mean to be saved? From sin, from death, from hell. You see, that could never come about by believing some doctrine or even some truth. Life can only be communicated by someone else. You can't buy life. You can't work to get life. Praying will not give you life. Being baptized will not give you life. There's only one way you'll ever get life. That's through relationship with the Son of God. And it's eternal life. It means peace, it means joy, it means power. It just means being in Him. So I like this little story. And the result, if you want the final thing, the result of receiving the gospel, verses 32 to 34. And I read, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. 
He took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Now someone's going to ask me, Mr. Mitchell, can I stand on that promise, thou shalt be saved in thy house? Yes? But I must say this in connection with that. The gospel is for all your house. And when one is saved in the house, the house is open to the blessing of God and to the mercy and grace of God. But everyone in the house must personally accept the Savior. You know, I was not, I was not, when you allow a personal testimony, I was not raised in a Christian home. And when I became a Christian, I remember after being saved in a few months, I, I saw this verse, Thou shalt be saved in thy house. And I came before the Lord and prayed for my family that they might be saved. And I stood upon this ground that the Lord would save the house, that the Lord was, was well, how shall I put it, the Lord was gracious to the house because one in the house had accepted the Savior. And the time came when every one of my family, as far as I know, accepted the Savior. My father, my mother, my two brothers. I don't know about my sister because she died when she was a girl before I was a Christian. But I want to say to you today that uh, if you are the only one in your family who loves the Savior, you've got good ground to come in the presence of God and plead with God for your family. And the blessing of God can be upon your family because you have accepted the Savior. And as you live before them and witness before them, and live a real Christian life in fellowship with the Savior. Your, your transformed life is going is to keep on giving, being a testimony to the rest of your family of the power of God and the grace of God. And the result here was, in this passage, the whole family believed. The whole family were baptized, he and his family that same night, and they all rejoiced in the Lord. He, he took them into his own house. Just think of the transformation this brutal jailer, uh, took Paul and Silas out of the inner dungeon, out from the slime and everything else, and washed them up, fed them, took them into his own house, put them in his own bed. I'll tell you, they had a wonderful time. And the whole family believed in God. The man believed with all his house. And notice they were full of joy and blessing. Now, the next day from verse 35 to the end of the chapter, I'm not going to take it out except to just mention it. Word came out that the jailer should let these men go. There was no ground upon which they should be in jail. Uh, these folks had not supported uh, uh, their accusation that they were stirring everybody up. They'd lost their dollars and cents, and this is what made them mad. So the magistrate sent them and said, well, you tell those fellows to get, you set them free. And Paul says, wait a minute, we're Romans. We're Romans. And you've beaten us up being Romans. Now what are you going to do about it? And when they heard that, they were scared. And the result was they, uh, they asked them to leave. They came personally and asked them to leave the city. And they went into the, out of the prison, entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and they departed. Say, wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you putting your trust in him? My friend, let me suggest to you that you put your trust in the Lord Jesus and pass from death to life. And you will. It means personal relationship 
but the Savior. That always means not only forgiveness, but life eternal. You become a child of the living God. God grant you'll deal with today if you've never accepted him as your Savior. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.